All right, First Thessalonians chapter 2, as we continue in our study of Thessalonians. Last week we looked at uh, chapter 1, the evidence of a changed lives, uh, as Paul is, Timothy has come to report to Paul what's happened back in Thessalonica. He's in Corinth, and Paul writes this letter back as an encouragement as well as an instruction. Uh, so in the first chapter we saw the evidence of changed lives. He was praising God, remembering them, reflecting. This is personal reflections, the first three chapters. Now in chapter 2, the evidence of godly service. There are some accusations leveled against Paul, and that's what he's going to address here in this chapter. From that, we can glean how should we serve. What, what is godly service? What's it mean to serve a spiritual service, you want to put it that way? What's it mean to be a servant of God? This is uh, what Paul's addressing in here uh, in this chapter. Most people wish to serve God. I think that's a desire of anybody I've ever talked to, but in an advisory capacity. They like to give direction, but not necessarily get their hands dirty. They want to see what's going on, but not necessarily help out. Now, what we want to talk about here is, is how to serve. How, what is godly service? What's it look like? And that's what Paul, uh, Paul is addressing here. Because of time, we're only going to look at the first six verses, not all 12. So the first six verses, evidence of godly service from Paul's ministry. Uh, this, is, this is what we're going to look at and, and see the ver- first uh, six uh, verses. First two things. He served with purpose and he served with courage. Now, verse 1. He served with purpose. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. That, uh, that vain has to do with empty. It wasn't, it, this was not a casual visit. Like here, you know, in our meet and greet this morning, that's really, hi, how are you? It's not, hi... How's your life? Let's sit down and have a conversation about some spiritual things. That's, that's casual. Paul's entrance here was not casual. It was not in vain. It was intentional. It was not empty. It was not worthless. It was not void. It was not senseless. But it had a powerful impact. It was a living reality. It was a visible spiritual change took place. Now if you look down to verse 13 in the same chapter, it says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received... When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. See, his, his ministry was not in vain. It was with purpose. And when he presented the, the message, people believed and their lives changed. Also, if you look down to verse 19 and 20, for who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you? In the presence of our Lord and Jesus at his coming, for you are our glory and joy. The point he's saying is, he comes to the end of this chapter, he's saying, you know, what, what is the joy and what's the glory? What, what are we praised for? What, what it, it's the very fact that you, because if you're receiving the truth and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are going to be seated by the throne with me. That's the glory. That's the joy that I have. You see, his, he, he served with purpose. His message... Ministry, it was powerful, life-changing, and long-lasting. This wasn't just came in, lit a fire, fire went out, he left. No, he went in, lit the fire, he was chased out, he was persecuted. They were trying to disrupt and disrupt his ministry and discredit him. He was only there three weeks, he left Timothy behind, and Timothy fanned the flame. And he's a fan of the flame, people continued to get saved. Paul was there planting the seed, Timothy fanned the flame. They were able to establish leadership. In fact, after uh, Timothy was delivering this letter back to the Thessalonians, he was taking this letter that Paul was writing back to them. Again, fan the flame. 
So it was, his message and ministry was uh, purposeful. It's life-changing, long-lasting. Verse 2, he served with courage. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi. Now, you'd have to go back to Acts chapter 17, to, or 16 actually, to pick that up. Uh, I'll just tell you kind of a, this is the Reader's Digest version of Acts 16. Paul and Silas were on their missionary journey. They went to Philippi. At Philippi, they had an incredible impact. There was this soothsayer or um, fortune teller that was demon-possessed, following them around and disrupting their ministry of trying to minister there in Philippi. Well, Paul turned, rebuked the, the demon, cast the demon out, well, then the, the men who were using this demon-possessed fortune teller became angry and stirred up the crowd against Paul and Silas about this foreign god they were talking about. Some Judaizers, of course, jumped in that too. So they were arrested and thrown into prison. And as they were thrown into prison, they were also beaten this, or scourged. They were put in stocks, uh, in stocks where their, both their feet and their hands were uh, sitting on the floor, leaning over in this position with, in stocks where they could not... It was very uncomfortable, plus they had been literally... When they were beaten, they were scourged, or it was, their, skin was, their flesh was torn up. This was a very uncomfortable uh, situation. And then that night, there was an earthquake. And uh, they were in the inner prison, and the, basically the doors fell off, and the, the stocks fell off. And so, oh, it was just an earthquake. No, it was a miracle. <laughs> it was a miracle. God saw fit to bring this about. And they were free. Well, the jailer, the Roman jailer in Philippi, became immediately alarmed because if his, any of his prisoners got away, his life was forfeit. So he was all ready to fall on his sword rather than suffer the embarrassment of being executed for having his prisoners. And, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell this. In the meantime... When Paul and Silas were in the stocks, but anyway, when, when Paul and Silas were in the stocks, they were singing psalms and praising God. I mean, talk about adversity, and yet they're singing songs, they're praising God. Well, of course, the jailer and all the other inmates hear this. So the earthquake takes place, the jailer's ready to fall on a sword, and Paul yells out, stop, we're all here. The jailer comes in, and Paul leads the jailer and his family to Christ. He cares for them and meets their needs. And in the process, Paul tells them, I'm a Rome, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen. That's a big deal, because if you're a Roman citizen, you cannot be thrown in jail without some kind of a trial taking place, let alone being beaten like they were, they were disrespectfully treated. Well, that, that alarmed the magistrates, and they said, well, just get out of our city. He said, no, we are not leaving till you come, basically, and apologize to us. Then we'll leave. And uh, actually, even after that, they stayed a, a few more days and kind of rested up, recuperated, before they came to Thessalonica. That's the point. He served with courage. You and I, if we faced that kind of adversity, we would have quit. You know, it's not worth it. Or we would have gone back to uh, Jerusalem or Antioch and gone home. He served with courage. But even after we had suffered before at Philippi, as you know, we were bold to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. And even though we came to Thessalonica and there's this disruption and trying to discredit our ministry, we were still bold. We served with courage. Listen, 
How, how can I serve? I need to serve with purpose and to be courage. Not obnoxious. He was not obnoxious. He was doing what God called him to do. There is an offense to the gospel. He was not seeking to be offensive in your face. He was just presenting the word as God had called him to do it, and he did it with courage. He served with courage. A time-serving, self-seeking person would have been intimidated, discouraged, and frightened. He would have quit. But Paul served with purpose, and he served with courage. Verse 3, 4, 5, and 6. Verse 3, he served with integrity. For our exhortation, our challenge, our, our, our preaching did not, did not, the important, did not come from error, nor uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. In other words, it was without error, and there was no false doctrine with what we brought, nor uncleanness. There was no moral failure on our part. This, this word uh, has the overtones of sexual impurity or for uh, favors. There was no immoral practice. That was, uh, immoral practice was very common uh, among the traveling uh, speakers, the traveling salesmen, the tra- traveling uh, religious people. There was, no, there was no uncleanness and there was no deceit. In other words, we didn't try to trick you into something, you know, the bait and switch. I, I'm going to bait my hook and now, I, now I've got you you're caught to the hook. You thought you were going to get the bait. There was no trickery there. So it, we, he served with integrity. They were trying to discredit his message. They were trying to discredit his motives. They were trying to discredit, uh, discredit his methods. They were trying to do everything they could to distract and destroy his ministry. And his response to some of those accusations were, is what he gave there in verse 3. But he served with integrity. He was a man of integrity. Honest. Truthful. He served with a, with a, if, with, with a purity, if you want to put it that way. His message and life were authentic, consistent, trustworthy, and true. He was able to serve with integrity. How, how can we serve? And in fact, we can stick it even further. How should you conduct your life? You should be men and women of courage. You should be men and women of integrity. This is how he conducted his ministry. He served with integrity. The four, verse 4, he served with faithfulness. But as we have been approved by God, this, this is again a divine appointment, to be entrusted with a gospel, as we have been approved by God, that's divine approval, to be entrusted with a gospel, that's a divine appointment, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts, that's a divine audit. It's one thing for us to sit back and just evaluate our ministry, evaluate my life, but you know what? God is evaluating and auditing our life even now. He knows our thoughts. He knows our actions. He looks in the past. He looks to the future. But he wants to deal with you in the present. You and I need to serve with faithfulness. Paul served with faithfulness. He... he, accepted that stewardship that would get given to him by God with, with uh, understanding the great responsibility that it carried with it. That divine approval that approved by God, that's to put to the test, the real deal, genuine, uh, testing the weight of a coin to see if that's really its value or its worth. To be entrusted. Uh, this is a sacred test. This is not a, a chosen work. This is not a self-chosen work. This is a sign. It's given. It's serious. Representing, it's God pleasing to be 
And God tested that divine audit. Man looked at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Emotions, our attitudes, our choices. Is spiritual change taking place? God's testing deals with men as much as with their responsibility. He's testing you. He's testing us. He served with integrity. He served with faithfulness. He understood that he had been given a sacred trust from God. Listen, if you and I, do you really get it? Do you really get it? This message that we have, this message that Rob has and is seeking to uh, implement into China and encourage and say, this message is so vitally important. It's worth taking the risk. He served with faithfulness. He, he embraced that sacred trust, that stewardship that God entrusted him with. Your circle of influence may not be Rob's circle of influence. It may not be my circle of influence. But there's one, if not ten other people, that you can influence for Christ. And in that circle of influence, there may be individuals who do not know Christ. And you have the opportunity, with that sacred trust that you've been given, to share the gospel. He served with integrity and faithfulness. He served with courage. And he served with purpose. The last one there in verse 5 and 6 he served with, a pure, with pure motives. Verse 5 and 6. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know. Wow. As you know. How, how, how would people who know you respond to that statement? You know, they've never used flattering words, as you know. He was only there three weeks, but they knew him, and he knew that he could ask him this question or make this statement. We never used flattering words. We did not try to trick you. We did did not use the smooth tongue words speaking to make favorable impressions in order to gain influence over you. We did not use flattery, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. That covetousness is, the, uh, the cloak idea is concealment. In other words, I'm giving you the gospel, but I really have an under-the-table thing here where I want to get some money. The cloak of covetousness. I'm doing it for things, not for what I've been entrusted with. Not what I've been entrusted with, the sacred trust, the gospel. No, there was no cloak of covetousness. Again, these are accusations brought against Paul. Oh, and I love this part. As God is my witness. See, as you know, and as God is my witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of it, of Christ. Glory from men, self-seeking recognition, honor, approval. Listen. It wasn't all about Paul. He had pure motives. He was serving Christ and Christ alone. He served with sincerity, honesty, and humility. I love the word sincerity. I've shared that before. The sincerity is, uh, or sincere, was when they made the the clay pots. Often they would bake them in the kiln, and when they would come out uh, in the ovens, they would come out, they would be cracked. Well, rather than Tossed it in the side, which they should have done, they would fill it in with wax. 
So it would look just like any other clay pot. So you'd go to the pottery store, and you'd go to buy this clay pot, and often you would hold it up to the sunlight or up to light to see if you could see the hairline crack in it because the light would show through the wax. They were insincere. They were crackpots. The point is that Paul, Paul was not a crackpot. He was sincere in delivering that message that he had been entrusted with. He served with pure motives. Let me, I want to close with this in conclusion. I want to put side by side self-righteous service or godly service. How do they compare? What would that look like? Self-righteous service would be from a human effort. What can I do? And, and, and I'm sure Sir Rob would agree with this. Sometimes there's a point in which in ministry you get the idea, what can I do? There's, that, there's a human effort. And on the other hand, there is a human side to it in that God still uses human in- instruments. So it's easy to fall into that. But that should not be your modus operandi. That's not why you operate. Godly service is from personal relationship with the Holy God. And I, I recently I put a personal relationship with God, but I, but I wanted to emphasize, you know what, because we've been talking about sanctification in our core groups, it's a holy God. There's a different connotation when I say holy God. Because if he's holy, he's totally separated from sin. And if I have a personal relationship with a holy God, you know, I'm going to be sensitive to sin and sinful behavior because I want to be separated from it because I want to have a closer relationship with a holy God. So godly service is from personal relationship with the Holy God. Self-righteous service. Impressed with the big deal. It's all about bigness. It's all about large. All about me. Where godly service is content and hiddenness. Who cares who gets the credit? It's all about God anyway, isn't it? What matters if I plant the seed and you water it? You plant the seed and I, I fan it. What, what does it matter? Content and hiddenness. Not seeking to call attention to yourself. Being impressed with a big deal. Self-righteous service. Picks and chooses when to serve. And I like this comparison. Looks for opportunities where to serve. There's a big difference. This is great. It's temporary. Never lasts long. It's like, it's like the flame that eventually goes out. It's a lifestyle. Godly services. Do you remember the commercials, the Gatorade commercials? This is not a plug for Gatorade. I'm just saying, do you remember the Gatorade commercials where the, the runner or the athlete was drinking a red-colored Gatorade, and as they sweated, this red drops came out of the Gatorade? Godly services like that. It just permeates every fiber of your being. And as you serve, it's God that comes out. Because, see, it's not about you. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. Looking for opportunities where to serve. And lastly, self-righteous service fractures communities. In other words, it it disrupts relationships. It's going to be difficult. And you could apply this almost in anything, but when we talk about service or godly service, builds community, be building. One of, our, one of our goals as we talk about our core groups and core gatherings is the whole area of discipleship. Uh, even as Robin mentioned in China, one of the 
the, the missing aspects is not the gospel and the message of salvation, but it's the discipleship. It's the training. It's getting people into the word that, that these changes that are taking place are on a daily basis, this spiritual growth, this lasting change as they become more mature in their faith and become more like Christ. So, as you evaluate your service, how are you serving? How are you doing? See, Paul served with courage. He served with purpose. He served with integrity, with faithfulness. And he served with pure motives. It wasn't about him. Let's pray. Father, we pray even as we come to you now at this time, as we close our service, with heads bowed and eyes closed, we've had a lot of, a lot of things this morning. But as you focus in on the, on the scriptures and on the word this morning, say, Pastor Ken, just pray for me. I, there are some areas in my life, particularly in this area of service, that I just need to give over to the Lord. Is there anyone like that? All right, thank you, others. Also, if you're here this morning, and, and this was not a salvation message, but if you're here this morning, and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, but you would like to have someone show you from the Word of God how to be saved. I'll be more than happy to talk to you after the service, a lady with a lady, a man with a man. But you'd like to know more about this. Does anyone? Father, we thank you, God, so much for your love, your care, your watch over us. We thank you for the example of Paul, that indeed he is a one that we could imitate, we could follow. But Lord, I pray that we will evaluate, we'll examine our own, our own hearts, even as we realize we're under a divine audit even now. And that we will serve you with courage, with integrity, uh, with boldness, with uh, uh, pure motives. In Christ's name we pray, amen.